we'll move on to our fourth speaker, uh, Nicholas J. Johnson, who's an author, a magician, and a collector of scams. He, he exposes tricks and inspires audiences to think critically and never be swindled again. After two decades entertaining and educating audiences, he's realized there is much we can learn about persuasion, deception, and influence from the world of the professional swindler. Just don't trust him with a deck of cards. Nicholas. Thank you very much. So um, I started this and I had a very clear idea of who the villain was. And uh, in finishing my research, uh, I realized I'm not sure if there is a villain. Uh, and if there is one, I'm not 100% sure who it is. Um, so if there is booing involved at the end, it may, be, it may go on for some time and will mostly be directed at me. So in the mid-1970s, there was a, a brief uh, level of excitement directed at telekinesis. Suddenly, large portions of the population, particularly in America, became obsessed with the idea of moving objects or bending metal with the power of their mind. The world was gripped, force-gripped, with telekinesis fever. You had movies like Carrie, The Fury, Project X, and The, Musha, the Medusa Touch were in cinemas showing exploding heads and moody teenagers moving cars by staring at them. The KGB were experimenting with Nina Kilogina, a Russian housewife who could supposedly stop hearts with the power of her mind. Footage had been leaked uh, in, into America showing her moving matchboxes and coins around a tabletop. And the CIA, not to be outdone, were conducting the Stargate Project and Project MK Ultra, where they pushed the limits of the human mind while also inspiring the first season of Stranger Things. And of course, in the centre of all of that was Yuri Geller, a man who claimed that he could bend spoons stop watches, and even read what was written on pieces of paper locked in other rooms. I thought that Yuri Geller would make a, a great villain for tonight, but there's other people doing far more interesting work. Because Yuri Geller was never really tested. There were always tests. He'd talk about secret tests, but the results were always inconclusive. And for a showman like Yuri Geller, that's just what he wanted. He didn't care if people believed in him or not. He just wanted people talking about him. So there was basically no evidence that these things existed, but there was also no evidence that it didn't exist. Until along came James McDonnell. James McDonnell was a billionaire, aviator, engineer, and businessman. He made his fortune as a, a principal supplier of fighter jets for uh, the, the US Air Force during the 40s and 50s, and then he moved into aerospace engineering. He uh, and ended up um, uh, being responsible for Skylab, America's first and only space station. Um, in his later years, in his 70s, he became obsessed with telekinesis and proving that it existed. So essentially, you need to imagine this guy is essentially Elon Musk if he decided he wanted to prove that Professor X was a real person instead of what Elon Musk really wants to do, which is, I think, to prove that the Matrix is real, I think is where he is at the moment. So he took half a million dollars to Washington University, his local university, and said, I will give you this money if you can prove that telekinesis is real. 
And uh, one scientist, a man by the name of Peter Phillips, put up his hand and said, look, okay, I'll, 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 I'll head up this, this research that you're interested in doing. And that was where they got the McDonald Laboratory for Psychical Research, which is a very difficult word to read, and I guarantee at least one point this evening I'm going to say the word physical. <laughs> so they started the planning, and obviously lots of people put up their hand and said, no, I have these real abilities. I should be the one that you test. I, I'm the one you should be looking at. I'm the real deal. There were 300 in all. But there were two young men, Steve Shaw and Mike Edwards, who came from two different states, um, but both managed to demonstrate very similar abilities. They uh, didn't fit your kind of traditional idea of what a psychic or, or one of these kind of telekinetic people can, would be. They were actually both in their late teens when the, the study started. Um, they were just ordinary guys from middle America, brash, a little bit overconfident, but they could demonstrate extraordinary abilities. Um, from the initial study... Um, uh, Phillips has said, two apparently powerful subjects, M.E. and S.S., have presented themselves to the McDonald Laboratory for Physics... <laughs> Didn't even get through one. Psychical research. Our observations indicate that they may possess other PK abilities as well. Now, around this time, a man showed up, a magician showed up, James Randi. Uh, for those who don't know, James Randi is a magician and skeptic who is known for essentially ruining anyone's belief in the paranormal. If you believe in psychics, if you believe in mediums, if you believe in telekinesis, he is there to shut down your beliefs. He is a professional party pooper um, and has dedicated his entire life to uh, convincing people that these sort of paranormal claims should be studied uh, skeptically and rationally. And he said, if you are going to do a study like this, you need a magician. Now, the scientist said, we don't need a magician. <laughs> because no scientific experiment has ever needed a magician. In fact, no one has ever needed a magician. I am a magician. No one needs me. Yeah? Like no one, nothing, I've never done a gig where people have said, thank God you were here. <laughs> Things really would have gone to hell without the guy doing magic. So they sent him away and continued the studies without him. And straight away they got fantastic results from, from, both, from both Mike and Steve. I'll read from, from some of their notes. They said um, in uh, PRP, that's, that's Peter Phillips, his first session with ME, that's, that's Mike Edwards, he and three other people each in turn placed several straight keys in their closed fist and asked ME to influence them. ME was never allowed contact with the keys and in each instance when the hand was open, one of the keys was discovered bent. They went on to do things like affecting photographic film to the extent that it produced um, streaks and blotches of light just by concentrating on the film. Um, and they even managed to stop digital watches from working just by staring at them, never touching them, just staring at them. So after a year of tests, um, they were preparing um, for presentation at a, at a major parapsychological meeting, which I realise was once a thing, um, and perhaps still is. And um, when, who should show up but James Randi um, requesting, could he see the footage from all of these tests? And they said, okay, fine, you can take it. Anyway, he took this footage to a, um, 
uh, to his local magic club. And the magicians all got together and, and looked at the footage and came up with a whole bunch of suggestions on how to make the study uh, stricter, how to make it more rigorous, um, how to basically make it better. And they took it back to the scientists who, to their credit, said, okay, you make some good points, let's try it your way. And as soon as they did that, they suddenly found that Mike and Steve could no longer perform as they previously had. Um, the, suddenly, with these tighter controls in place, Mike and Steve just lost their mojo. The keys were unbent, the spoons stayed the way they were, the digital watches kept on moving. So after this, most of the, uh, the people involved in the study said, uh, the, the official was meager results. So they didn't say no results, just meager results, we're gonna move on. A few people continued on with the study, excited, they toured around with Mike and Steve, showing them off at different universities, and there were glowing reports were being published in journals and magazines. But then, 18 months later, James Randi decided to hold a press conference at Discover Magazine, um, to, uh, essentially to announce that he had found the first true psychics. And the first true psychics were Mike and Steve. The two young men sort of humbly came up. It had been four years since the study had started and uh, Randy started chatting to them and, and asked them just sort of offhandedly, oh, by the way, how do you actually do it? And Mike stepped up to the microphone and said, well, to be quite honest, we cheat. We've spent the last four years doing magic tricks for scientists and they never figured it out. <laughs> Not only that, the reason why they spent four years doing magic tricks for scientists was because James Randi asked them to. James Randi sent Mike and Steve to the university and said, just go fuck with them. <laughs> the, I'm paraphrasing. And the one rule was, if they say, are you cheating? Are you faking this? Then you have to admit that you are and that I sent you and they never asked that question, <laughs> and so they continued for four years. <laughs> now, this was insane. The sort of things they were doing were, so they were bending spoons, and basically one of the things that James Randi said was, don't have anything, don't give them anything but the spoon. But they had spoons and all sorts of stuff everywhere, and they were all labeled so they could tell what was what. And what would happen was, while Steve was staring at a key over here, Mike would take the labels on the spoons and swap them. So they'd measure the spoon and go, this is almost like a different spoon. <laughs> the digital watches stopped working because um, Steve would sneak them out of the, sorry, Mike would sneak them out of the laboratory and put them in the microwave. <laughs> and the blurry streaks that kept appearing in the photographs were because Mike kept spitting on the camera lens. <laughs> so, the center was immediately shut down. The reputations of everyone involved took a massive beating. And Randy, obviously to this day, continues to speak out against suspect claims of the paranormal and has uh, you know, caused trouble for all sorts of people. Steve Shaw now goes by the name of Banachek um, and as well as being a performing magician, um, has invented magic tricks for Penn and Teller, David Blaine, Lance Burton and Chris Angel. Um, uh, James McDonald, sadly, he died before this information came out. He died um, in uh, 1980, so three years before the study was actually um, revealed to be a hoax. And so he never got to find out um, what the results were, which, considering his deeply held beliefs, was probably for the best.
So I've actually told this story for many years. I go into high schools and talk about critical thinking, and so I'll talk about this study, and I always use it as an example of confirmation bias, of how you know, people believe things, and if you don't, you know, if you go in with your conclusion already in mind, you're going to be scammed. But in preparing for tonight, to me, James McDonough was always the villain, this guy trying to buy results. I've got $500,000 if you can prove me right. You know, that horrible idea that you can get the results you want by throwing enough money at it. But looking at some of the correspondences and looking at the reactions of the scientific community and what actually showed up in the media at the time, I'm starting to think that maybe James Randi is the villain. I mean, if his desire was to find the truth, why did he need to lie? And, and it, what scientists releases their results by having a big press conference that is essentially a giant middle finger to people that you disagree with? It makes it harder for people to fund this type of ridiculous research, um, to discredit the many frauds, um, or to study why people believe this sort of thing. There was no paper ever published as a result of the hoax, no theory was ever discovered, no scientist ever reached a conclusion that we can argue about. Really, it just kind of felt like he was pushing an agenda. It wasn't that he even wanted to kill the study, he wanted to salt the earth so nothing more could grow. It wasn't really about finding the truth, it was about stopping people from doing dumb shit. But to me, I always feel like that's what science is about, doing dumb shit. So, uh, and in fact, obviously, a lot of um, the psychological um, uh, organizations at the time were saying that um, James Randi should really be brought before an ethics committee until it was pointed out he was not a psychologist or a scientist. <laughs> you can't really bring him in front of an ethics committee. So I did want to come with a conclusion about who the villain was. I don't know whether it's Mike or Steve or James Randi or James McDonald or the, 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 the scientist who took the money. Um, and so I'm going to do what, uh, to finish very quickly, to do what Mike and Steve would have done, um, and that is some misdirection. So I have some spoons. One will be the control spoon, one, because this is science. One will be the test spoon. So would you... Which spoon? All right, this doesn't always work. I'm going to try. Hold on to the... That's the control. Okay, here we go. Watch this. <laughs> Science. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Johnson. <laughs>